Welcome to the eLaborate Topics Podcast, where we focus on lab-specific strategies for medical laboratory professionals. We're proud to be the healthcare detectives that work behind the scenes to get the results needed to influence medical decisions. Let's grow together and jump right into the lab. Welcome, friends, to another episode of eLaborate Topics. I am your host and leadership mentor, Tywana Wilson. If this is your first time tuning in to an Elaborate Topics episode, welcome. If you are a returning listener, welcome back. We are a weekly podcast that gives you practical strategies that you can use inside and outside of the laboratory. You will find this podcast on directimpactbroadcasting.com or your favorite podcast platform such as Spotify, Google Play, Amazon, or any of the other podcast aggregators. You will also find us as a featured podcast partner on LabVine's LabStream. So check us out there as well. Today, I have an awesome episode for you. Whether you have been working in the laboratory for 20 years or you just entered the laboratory last month, this topic is going to be relevant to your career. I'm going to talk about navigating conflict in the medical laboratory. I'll talk briefly about the importance of this, different types of conflict. I'll give you some tips of being able to navigate it. And then I'll just summarize what we did. So, of course, there are tons of different conflict scenarios that can arise in the in the clinical laboratory, but I want to give you a few practical tips that you will be able to implement right away after you listen to this episode. Having strong conflict management skills will help you whether you're inside the laboratory or in your personal life because conflict will arise no matter what you do. As long as people are involved, there is the potential to have a conflict in the laboratory or in your life. So let's talk about different forms of conflict. We have interpersonal conflict that could arise in the laboratory. This type of conflict arises when two individuals often often see things differently as a result of a difference in opinion, could be values or personal interests. So an example of interpersonal conflict that could arise in the medical laboratory could be a disagreement between two lab staff members over the interpretation of a result. This could be something like if your laboratory Uh, looks at and evaluates hemolysis visually. Maybe you don't have an indices check on your instrument, and so you're doing a visual check. I may see it as slight hemolysis. The other technologists or scientists might see it as moderate hemolysis. So a conflict, an interpersonal conflict can arise because we see things differently. Or if you do RPRs, and those of you who do RPRs and do it via the card, again, that that degree of positivity could vary from 
lab personnel to lab personnel. So some disagreements or conflict could arise there, resulting in interpersonal conflict. There also could be interpersonal conflict between a laboratory manager and a staff member over their job performance. Maybe I feel like I'm doing an exceptional job and my manager doesn't feel that way. Maybe they feel my performance is average. So those are things that can lead to interpersonal conflicts in the laboratory. We also have organizational conflicts that can arise. And this happens when the structure or the culture of the organization experiences a conflict. Organizational conflict may be caused by issues such as limited resources. That could be your staffing, that could be your supplies, that could be your reagent, conflicting goals. Maybe the CEO and executive team is expecting the laboratory to produce this amount of revenue over the year, but the laboratory has a different idea in mind or it could be differing opinions about the direction and priorities of the organization. So this is when organizational conflict arise. And we see that in our laboratories now, especially with our staffing and the use of uh, traveling scientists, we'll see that and using uh, additional funds to be able to support having the labor in-house. Additional examples of what organizational conflict could look like, it could be disagreements over the allocation of the budget, it could be uh, disputes or differences between departments over prioritization of tests. So say for instance, there's one SST that is drawn and it has chemistry testing, it has serology testing, and so there could be you know, conflict or dispute over who gets that shared sample first. And there also could be conflict over policies and procedures. This could be something about time and attendance. Maybe in this department, it's reflected this way where you get a five minute grace period, but maybe in another area, you get a 15 minute grace period before you are considered late. So those are examples of organizational conflicts that could arise. Task conflict. And this type of conflict occurs when there are differences in opinions or approaches to completing a specific task or project. When I think about task conflict, I think about conflicting schedules. So two Lab staff members may have conflicting schedules for completing a task, such as preparing reagents, daily maintenance, calibration of equipment, or even if two departments share an instrument. So in my laboratory, we have one piece of equipment that two departments share that equipment for testing. And so there is one staff member uh, from one department that comes in really early to be able to get the instrument up and going so that they are done with their testing before the next department would need to utilize the instrument. Sometimes that doesn't happen, 
which can result in a task conflict because if the first department isn't finished with their testing, it will delay the second department from being able to perform their testing. Also, when I think about task conflict, I could think about if there is a case where uh, a patient sample doesn't meet all of the requirements in the procedure, you know, maybe this patient uh, is uh, very lipemic and uh, hemolytic, and so it could require some additional manipulation of the specimen in order to be able to run on the instrument. Depending on the scientists or technicians running the test, they may have a different approach uh, to being able to handle that if it's something that could be outside of the normal scope of practice. And then we have relationship conflict. And this is probably one that's very common. And it arises when individuals have a strained or negative relationship, which could be caused by past experiences or personality differences. In our medical laboratories, relationship conflict could occur between two team members who've had disagreements in the past, whether it was had to do with bench assignments and who was doing what on each day. It could have had something to do with workload, especially if two team members were maybe working together in a high volume area who's going to do maintenance, who's going to be responsible for doing uh, any pending resolution or working any cues that could result in a conflict management, relationship management, or between a lab manager and a staff member, especially if they have different communication styles. So if you have a lab manager who's more of a D or direct style, and then you have a staff member who's more of an S or steady style, if we're thinking about DISC, that conflict uh, relationship conflict could arise there just because of the way that they communicate so differently. It's important to note that conflict could take on multiple forms and be a combination of any of what I talked about. So you can have organizational conflict and interpersonal conflict or task conflict and relationship conflict. But understanding the different forms of conflict can help you in the medical laboratory identify root causes of what could be going on so that you can develop some effective strategies for resolution. And these are important because they are going to come up. There are going to be various sources of these of these conflicts. Could come from, like I said, limited resources, communication breakdowns, personality difference, but any of these could lead way to conflict in the medical laboratory. And you as the staff member, as the manager, need to understand the potential forms of conflict and how to navigate. These conflicts can have an impact on the work environment, especially if they are unresolved. So if you have an environment where conflict has been able to linger, nobody has dealt with it, kind of swept it under the rug, like it'll resolve itself and it doesn't, it just usually just festers, 
it will result in or have an impact to the work environment and patient care. Unresolved conflict have significant negative impacts to both of these, including decreased job satisfaction. So when conflicts go unresolved, individuals may be dissatisfied with their jobs and experience increased anxiety and stress, which in turn, this can lead to high turnover rates, decreased motivation and decreased productivity. And as we are having staffing challenges, we definitely don't want to lose people due to their decreased job satisfaction. This unresolved conflict can lead to decreased teamwork and and collaboration. So conflict can create an environment of distrust, competition, and even animosity among team members, making it difficult to work together effectively. And when this happened, the overall success of the laboratory and the quality of patient care can be compromised. There's decreased communication. Conflicts can lead to that decrease in communication where individuals are hesitant to share information or even work together. So this could result in miscommunication, misunderstandings, and errors in patient care. Increase cost. So these are all impacts of unresolved conflict. So increased cost, which can result in increased absenteeism, staff turnover, decreased productivity, and lead to overall cost across your laboratory system, especially if you have to get contract workers to be able to help fill the void, which is more expensive uh, for your labor pool. And then the the last impact that I'll kind of leave you with is decreased patient satisfaction. So when there are conflicts in the medical laboratory, believe it or not, it can lead to a direct impact on patient satisfaction. And this shows up with delays in test results, or there could be miscommunication between departments, which can result in decreased trust in the laboratory and decreased satisfaction with patient care over time. So now that we understand different forms of conflict and the impact that it can has on the laboratory, let me give you some tips on how you can navigate this conflict each and every day. I want you to really hone in on active listening. Listen more, talk less. If you listen more, it will help minimize some of the communication gaps, some of the miscommunication and misunderstanding. So get good with listening. Understand the importance of using I statements in communicating during conflict because you are only speaking for yourself. Don't say, well, we don't like the way you do this, right? Because at that point, as you are trying to navigate that conflict, you only want to speak for yourself and what you know to be true and accurate. So use I statements. Don't bring anybody else into it. Well, everybody feels like this. No, speak for you because that is a great way to help neutralize the conflict to be able to move forward. 
Here's a, a, a five step process that you can use each and every time when you're trying to navigate conflict on trying to come to a resolution. The first step is defining the problem. So what is the problem? What is the source of, of the conflict? How did we get here? Right. The second step is identifying any underlying issues. What got us here? Is this a history? Is this an underlying a conflict that's been festering for a while? Is it between the manager and the team member, team member to team manager, team member, department to department? Generate potential solutions. How can we fix this? Right. So here's option one, two, three. These are things that we can do to neutralize this conflict. So generate what those potential solutions are and then choose a solution. So out of options one, two, and three, we are going to go with solution three and then implement and evaluate if that is working or not. So that five step process for evaluating or processing effective conflict resolution again and then i'll give you an example of what this might look like is defining the problem so identify what's causing the issue called causing the conflict and gather all relevant information to understand the situation identifying underlying issues so determining the underlying needs values and goals of each person involved in the conflict generating potential solutions. So brainstorming a variety of potential solutions that could meet all the interests of the parties involved, choosing that solution, assessing the pros and cons of each solution and choosing the best one based on your objective and then implement and evaluate which is putting that chosen solution into action. So a simple example that actually goes through this five step process is there's a conflict that arises between two team members about using an office printer and they both need to use it at the same time. I don't know about you all, but we don't have printers in our office. We are networked to uh, one printer or a network printer. And this scenario actually happens. Uh, I won't say quite a bit, but it does come up. So the problem is that they both need to use the printer at the exact same time. They need to identify the underlying issues behind the conflict. Well, one person, and we'll just call her Jane, needs to print an important report for a meeting in an hour while the other person will call him Tom needs to print materials for his presentation tomorrow. So they both need to print. One needs to print for a presentation in an hour, the other presentation tomorrow. Let's talk about some potential solutions. So some of the solutions could be they could take turns using the printer. They can use another printer in the office. J Jane, whose presentation is in an hour, could print her report first and Tom could print his later or printing both at the same time, but on different printers. So those are potential solutions. 
And then when we evaluate those options based on timing, the best solution would be to print Jane's report first, since her presentation is coming up in an hour and Tom's presentation is later. And this solution would meet both of their needs and does not cause any additional problems because they both will have their reports printed. And then if we look at the last step to implement and evaluate, Jane, if she prints her report first and Tom agrees to wait until she is finished, after her report is printed, Tom can start printing his presentation materials. The solution seems to work uh, for both people to be able to complete their task and move on with their day. So that's just an example of resolving conflict and using that five-step process. And now that we know how to navigate conflict, I wanna give you just a few tips before we wrap up on maintaining a positive work environment in the first place before conflicts even arise. We understand that it's important to take some proactive steps to create a positive work environment so that we're able to address potential issues before they become problematic. So encouraging open communication. We wanna make sure that we openly communicate any concerns and ideas and have a safe space to do so so that if any of these conflicts, task conflict, relationship conflict come up, then our environment has already been one where it is encouraged for open and honest communication. Establishing clear expectations, so clearly communicate these expectations, responsibilities, and roles to avoid misunderstanding and confusion in the laboratory. This is something that I would recommend that managers uh, do with their teams. How do you expect for employees to resolve any conflict that comes up in the laboratory? So have a clear uh, expectations and, and what kind of communication uh, do you expect? Practice active listening. As we know, we need to listen, 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 and talk less. Pay attention to what other people are saying and respond in a respectful and empathetic manner. Manner, Leading by example, this will definitely help with reducing the conflict in the work environment. Positive behavior and attitudes in the workplace will set the tones for others. So if somebody see you always practicing being conflict-free and modeling excellence, then your colleagues will choose to do the same thing. Or at least they will know that is the expectation in the environment. And teamwork and collaboration is another way to uh, have a positive work environment and implementing these conflict resolution strategies. So training employees on effective conflict resolution strategies to help with active listening and other soft skills that will be critical when these conflicts arise. I hope you were able to get something out of our podcast episode today on navigating conflict in the laboratory. 
you will you will experience conflict whether it's in the laboratory or in your personal life so listen to this write down those five steps for being able to navigate conflict and practice it the key points that i discussed today is understanding the different forms of conflict tips for navigating conflict and how to maintain a positive work environment and if you just take a few tips and implement i guarantee you you will have a more productive work environment you will have an environment that has open communication and it will be an environment where you will see increased productivity and higher patient and team member satisfaction. So thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of Elaborate Topics. We will be back next week with another awesome topic. We will have more amazing guests in the studio as this season goes. If you haven't checked it out, we have over 135 episodes that you can check out from seasons one and two. Share out this podcast with a friend because sharing is caring. So we want you to share this podcast out with anybody you feel that could benefit from hearing these practical tips, whether they are a laboratory and bad background or a friend of the laboratory. So thank you so much for tuning in. I am Taiwana Wilson, your leadership mentor. Have an awesome, awesome day. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of Elaborate Topics, where your hosts discussed relevant strategies for laboratory professionals. Please subscribe to this podcast on your favorite podcast platform and listen to us on directimpactbroadcasting.com. Stay tuned for another episode with information you can use to excel in your laboratory career.